Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. Right, what's going on? Coach Luca back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. Today we have two very special guests. Actually, uh, one of them keeps coming back. We're going to just do a monthly edition <laughs> with John Russin here. Um, but uh, the other is, uh, I would say, man, if you don't know these guys, uh, you've been living under a rock. So what we're not going to do is go into the, this is, tell me your story. Uh, but, uh, you know, the other is Christian Thibodeau. And I, I hope I don't, you know. Uh, That's actually pretty good for it's pretty, it's pretty oh, good. It's pretty awesome. All right. Because uh, I didn't want to get that wrong. I'm, uh, you know, I'm international. So when people get my name wrong, I'm like, ah, I'm getting spicy. But, uh, uh, you know, essentially a legend. And, and, and um, man, I'm so happy to have these guys here to talk about. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted to start off with, because like I said, I, I, I hate wasting time and like intros. Um, but, you know, you guys like basically uh, these guys presented, which, by the way, you have to go to the seminar. If you don't, you're doing yourself a great disservice. Uh, one of the best seminars we've had here at Vigor, and we've had a lot, as you guys know. Um, so catch the tour. They're, they're still doing uh, one U.S. date and they got a bunch of international dates. Trust me on this. It's, uh, some of this stuff is 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 absolutely the future of training, uh, and there's going to get more and more developed. So you know, this is the place to get this information, uh, like from the guys that are doing it. Uh, I would say in the trenches, not just you know, theor- like theoretical. Um, so to start off with, and and uh, you guys can kind of uh, kind of throw in a little bit here, but for me, this was definitely some new stuff, like personality typing for training Mm -hmm. and what i loved about it is that it's not just uh uh, it's not just training and you know we do so much of the behavior change stuff here and coaching but how you present it on that within the context of training nutrition Mm -hmm. uh you know how hormones and chemicals get get uh i would say influenced by it Mm -hmm. and then how every and recovery so how to look at the whole picture of a client and from you know from when i mean i've been reading your stuff for like a long long time right for the last 10, 15 years, what do you feel is the biggest change in how you approach training people now with these personality? Well, uh, I think that, well, I, it's some of the stuff I, I, I've been doing instinctively. I mean, uh, I've always been a much better in the trenches coach than an actual program writer. Actually, I would actually go on a limb and say that I pretty much suck at writing program. Uh, well, I, I'm not I'm not that bad, but I, I'm nothing special. Uh, I've my, my greatest asset was always coaching people in the trenches because I'm good at relating to them and also I could uh, just from like watching them I could understand what was their trigger uh, how they would react to feedback what kind of training they would enjoy so for example when I would training uh, clients in the trenches I would actually not write training programs I wouldn't have a general plan but depending on what I'm seeing with the client on a day-to-day basis we would adapt Uh, of course that was more instinctive but uh, I've always been interested in the psychological aspect of training what my parents are psychologists I work for them for a few years. So it's something that always interested me. I also coach football for a few years. So team building, all that stuff, it's really important for me. So I really believe that what changed the most about the way I approach training was actually systemized. Uh, how to pinpoint how an individual will respond to training. So I believe that there's only two really important things when you train a client. The first thing is making sure they train hard. And the second thing is correcting their weaknesses. Now, make 
making sure they train hard means finding the type of training that they enjoy doing, that motivates them. And also you as a coach, find the right trigger to make them push hard. Some people, if you like, go, come on, let's go, you can do it, it actually shut them down. Some people, they do need that. So it's your job as a coach to find the best way to get the most out of your client. That means selecting the right training programs for them, using the right dietary approach to make them feel better. Because some people, they you put them on low carb, they will feel like shit. They will have zero motivation. They don't want to train. They, they get depressive. Uh, they want to binge out. They don't have any drive in the gym. Uh, some people do amazing on low carb. So that's all a matter of their neurological balance, uh, how, how it's affected by training. So I believe that the future of training is, as a coach, finding a way to make the training and nutrition tailored to your clients. So that means both finding out psychologically what they prefer and what they respond well to, but also what exercises, how to prepare them for a workout. Because uh, as we saw during the seminar, uh, two people can use the basic same structure for warming up, but they can they will need to emphasize either activation, they will need to emphasize the parasympathetic, depending on what type they are. So the more you can fit the program to your client, the better results you're gonna be getting. And I think, but let's face it, all the training methods, they're pretty much been invented. I mean, yeah. Right? I mean, you can, how many has supersets? You've or, invented them all, though. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty safe. No, not TM really. Trademark. No, it's, it's, y- y- there's a limit of how many training methods you can have. I mean, isometric contraction, sure, but you know, there's a limit to that. So I think that it's pretty much been all invented. Some training tools are, are, are surfing out that, that are pretty cool. But I think that the real future is taking the basics, taking what we know, and making sure it, be- it best fits the need of an individual. In- I would say how, you know, and how do you both guys look at this? Because, you you know, you train, I'm always, uh, when when people are training uh, clients, you know, how fast that assessment happens. That's something I wanted to ask both of you guys, right? Uh, Because we went over these uh, personality types and man, it's it's great information. You know, when somebody comes in and and, and maybe a coach that's not as experienced, Mm -hmm. you know, is it just something that you just need to get competent at? And then you can get it faster. I mean, you probably are looking at somebody, yeah. talking to them, seeing what they're doing, and you're like, exactly. you know, breaking it down. But what are maybe some some tips or some things that you'd look at uh, to then just start adjusting a program? So if somebody came in here mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, you know, they're doing a trial, so they're maybe yeah. not even training with you mm-hmm. yet. They're, and you have 30 days, but using those personality types to use those th- first 30 days to help them, you know, get better results. Mm-hmm. Like what are some things that maybe bo- like each of you have like just a couple of tips to throw towards that? I always go in and try to have a good conversation with somebody exactly. because they're going to give you the information that you have to sift through. And you're looking for that one sentence that they say that you can put them into one of these three personality profiles. But when we say personality profiles, it's like we're like psychologists here, but we're really talking about uh, the neural dynamics of yep. the neuromuscular system, the way that neurotransmitters go through that system and the types of responses that we can elicit with physical, mental, emotional and psychological responses. So this seems like super, super deep. But when you look at having it respond to individualized training, it's something that happens with the conversation. It's something that happens with the coach's eye. Every single good coach in the world, they have a coach's eye, but they don't necessarily know how to systemize it. It's instinctive. It's the gut response of what you do with clientele. And this happened like really organically with me and Chris because we had the advanced coaching and programming seminar series, right? So we're like, 
Well, what what's advanced? You know, <laughs> what is the most advanced thing that we could possibly do that nobody's talked about before? And it was we were going over the six phase dynamic warm up sequence. We were just messaging back and forth. And the good thing about working with another guy is that they know how to ask the right questions to pull information out of you that you didn't even know that you had in the Mm -hmm. back of your mind. So Chris is like, well, what would you do if somebody was coming up all jacked up? Their sympathetics were all jacked up. Well, well, no shit. We get the parasympathetic nervous system, you know, tapped into and then we go and train. And that really was just opening up to what we did now, trying to mesh in the preparatory sequences with the different types of neurological profiles, with the training profiles, with the nutrition and the supplementation and making it a complete program. But it's something that I think we've been instinctively doing for a long time, but we just kind of threw a system on it. We we also uh, have some tools. For example, I, uh, I gave uh, the example of the Cloninger model, which yeah. I use. I, there's also the Braverman test that's been used by by other coaches. I've used it in the past. I, I explained in a seminar why I find it incomplete and that the test itself has very little scientific validity. Uh, whereas the Cloninger model has actually tons of research. It's the, probably the number one psych eval model being used by professionals, especially those working with uh, addiction. So people with addiction issues obviously are those that have these extreme neurotransmitter imbalances and they help us understand these personality profiles. So for example, just to take the example of the dynamic warm-up, uh, there's a personality called uh, the arm avoidance profile. And these people oftentimes are over-anxious. Because of that, they overproduce cortisol. Because of that, they tend to be art gainers. People that we think can't gain muscle, it's just because they are overstressed and produce so much cortisol when training that it's hard for them to get an anabolic response. So for these people, putting a lot of emphasis on activation, like amping up the nervous system might actually create even more cortisol by creating anxiety. These people need to focus more uh, on the parasympathetic portion of the six-step uh, warm-up, dynamic warm-up, uh, so that they actually can damper the stress response to training and actually get a better, better result from training. And of course, with that information comes uh, the training program that goes with it. Which kind of volume can you use? How much frequency? How much exercises? What exercise are you going to be using? So it all depends on the people. Now, uh, of course, if you don't use the test, there's always the coaching and uh, Dr. Rosen said exactly the same answer I was going to say is the first thing you do you need to talk to your clients even if it's group class setting everybody arrives maybe like five to ten minutes earlier talk to them like personally all right you've seen me I'm not a social person I mean of course <laughs> I have Asperger's so it's I don't like to make social contact but right off the bat you know that I'm not extroverted uh, I'm not somebody who would respond well to uh, like the raw raw kind of coaching uh, I'm more intellect uh, intellectualizing everything so I need to understand the details if you just tell me do that well why am I doing that I need more explanation some people are like that those who are more introverted they will need to understand why they're doing something they don't respond as well to changes they like to have like the same exercises because these people changes for them is actually a stress exactly so when you need variation go with the simplest variation like tempo changes including pauses but keeping the same lift some of the people you can see them they're all over the place they will be the center of attention in the group they're chatting to everybody these are extroverted people they are 
our energy, our adrenaline people, they will strive on variation. They, they will do much better than this more stable training. So these people, if you give them a training program like 531, like Jim Wonder, it's a great program. If you are someone who doesn't need that variation, if you are that extroverted person that likes to chat, that need excitement, even a great program like that will probably give bad results because it doesn't fit their profile, their need for changes. They need to experience some novelties. So depending on what you are, the training strategies, it's not so much that it creates that much of a training response, it's that you will feel better about your training and then you will train harder. And that's really what it's about, train hard and fix your weaknesses. And it's, it's, it's interesting that you say this because as I was listening to the, you know, the seminar, so much st- stuff started popping out for me because you know, a big thing is like neurologically ingrained, like, okay, I'm doing this, I feel good, mm-hmm. you wanna come back. Yeah, and then exactly. as you do it more, it becomes like an yeah. ingrained thing. You create thing. an addiction. An addiction, exactly. exactly. Versus, and, and I, I think everybody's probably seen this, seen this, right? You've probably seen this where maybe in the past as you're training and you're giving somebody like everything on paper makes sense for what their goal is. Mm-hmm. But you're like, ah, they're just, you know, they're not yeah. coming back, or they're not getting into it, or like they constantly have like this face, like they're not enjoying it, mm-hmm. and you know, all of a sudden, that's the person that's out in two months or three months. Yeah. While the other, while you're seeing some people like really enjoying it, and like, oh, I love this and I love that, and they're staying longer, but you never really thought about why that right. is, mm-hmm. right? You start judging the person and saying, well, that person, you know, they, they just they just don't have it, or just they're just really hard to work with. This model is what finally you can kind of go like, ah, but maybe mm-hmm. I need to change some shit up. Yeah, unless <laughs> exactly. you're training for a specific purpose, you don't need to do a specific type of training. You know, it, it, again, train hard. If you train hard, you're going to get results. Most yes. people, they just want to look better. They don't want to be competitive power after bodybuilder. They just want to look better and feel better. So for these people, the real key is find something they get motivated at you don't 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 walk like the gym and uh, I don't feel like it. If you feel like oh, that's going to be a great workout, I can't wait to do it. You have a buy-in into it, then you're going to give it all you've got, and you're going to get great great results. So that is the number one thing. You know, people look at my article sometimes and say, "Well, uh, two months ago you said this, <laughs> and just wrote an article that it's the exact opposite." Well, it's because I I, I don't use one system. Uh, depending on the type of client I have, I know that this, even though on paper it's the best program, it will not work. You know, uh, personally, if I'm using like a percent-based program, I will shoot myself. Because it, <laughs> and it might be great. And I've had clients use it and gain like 20% on the big lifts. But it doesn't fit my psychological profile. And of course, then we can actually extend it because, as you mentioned, like, for example, uh, training increases some neurotransmitters. And if you feel good, you get addicted to it and you want to continue. So that is one of the key to client retention. Right. Uh, was going to add something? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at like training through pain, too. You know, pain is neurological. Pain is not mechanical many times. It's your relationship with the type of subjective pain that you have for many people. And when you look at trying to train intelligently around pain, yeah, you can't do stupid shit and put your body in a bad position mechanically. But above and beyond that, you have to be a good coach where you actually get the types of neurological responses that people just forget about pain Mm -hmm. when they get into training and they're able to alleviate their own pain with their own Mm self-sufficiency. So that's the big secret in the industry. We don't have to be manually working on people to take away pain every single day. We need to be 
having an eclectic approach to coaching that allows people to really use the power of the neuromuscular system and the central nervous system to actually take care of their own deviations away from pain. Yeah, so some, pe- some people have uh, a higher uh, perception of pain, yeah. uh, like arm avoidance profile, mm-hmm. because these people are anxious. Uh, oftentimes, because they're anxious, their flexors get tightened up. Since their flexors get tightened up, it's harder for them to get into the proper, let's say, squatting, deadlifting position. These people would be much better off doing the big lift later in the workout, because when you get working, you get the muscles moving, you increase body temperature, synovial fluid get released, you get more flex you get rid of that hypertonicity. So you are more confident doing the big lifts. So, and you, like Dr. Rossin mentioned, you, you forget about your pain because their perception of pain is increased. So when you actually start moving, you forget about it because their anxiety amplifies pain. So if you can take away that anxiety by activating the parasympathetic system, for example, including mo- increasing mobility, doing work that makes them feel better, then they can get onto that a big lift and, and don't feel that pain anymore because it's not they're not more injured than others they just get their brain interprets that as a bigger pain signal so if you can play with that they're going to get a better training response it's because pain is such a i would say you know pain changes everything it changes movement it changes but even from a standpoint of like if somebody comes in and they're always like oh this is so painful right they start connecting that getting in shape is painful Mm. you know it can't be fun it can't be you know community driven or whatever else right and then that's what they remember. And then it makes training a lot harder. But what you're saying is like, man, if you if you adjust the training to that person, they start to feel better and enjoy it. And what they connect makes it easier for them to come back next time. So you're exactly. literally just looking at that one session and going like, in this session, I want this person to make progress, feel better, right. feel more confident about the things that they're doing. Bam. And then next time, bigger chance of them coming, yeah. bigger chance of them. And it's even, it even goes further than that because with the proper training, you can actually increase the neurotransmitter that that person is deficient in. Uh, or you can prevent fra- that, them from tanking down that, that, that neurotransmitter so they will feel better in everyday life. Now, for example, uh, I often had uh, like businessmen before a meeting do jumps like five or six jumps, uh, increase adrenaline and increase dopamine. The dopamine makes them feel more confident. Norepinephrine makes them feel more energetic. So they go into that meeting and they kick ass. They are the alpha male in the room. So so that's a way to change your transmitter balance that will actually have an impact on your life. If you can impact serotonin level, you're going to feel better. Uh, So it's Basically, all your emotions, all your well-being, it's only a matter of neurotransmitter balance. Now, it's not its not your soul or anything. It's a chemicals in your brain that tells you how you feel. So if you can play with that, you can feel better. It's easier to diet if you can control these neurotransmitters because you have less food cravings. You feel better about yourself. So your whole life is better. Well, let's do another example because I think this will, be, this, this will be really powerful because you said, you know, somebody come in, have them do jumps and adjust it. But... So whether we take a, a, a uh, like, let's say a, a, a novelty seeker, right? Like just yeah. the two different examples of how you would do uh, something different with them, yeah. whether both nutrition and training and maybe even these re- chemical well, responses. Uh, novelty seekers yeah. uh, are normally uh, people who are extroverted. They, they actually need excitement. They need new things. They need new stimulus because everything new, everything exciting spikes dopamine. They have low dopamine level. So the, the way, the reason why they act a certain way, why they seek danger, why they seek excitement, why they seek novelty is because their brain wants new 
needs an increase in dopamine and their receptors are really sensitive. So when they get that boost in dopamine, they become addicted to it. So they want more and more. So these people uh, have a low baseline dopamine, so they need to increase it to perform. So with the warm up, I would go to John and I would ask, well, okay, I have this client uh, and uh, he needs activation. What kind of warm up would you have them do first? So, Well, we wouldn't even do foam rolling. We probably wouldn't do any stretching, you know, even though those things are staples in our industry now, it's like, you guys got to do everything. But if you're a novelty seeker, the last fucking thing that you want to be doing is sitting down for 30 minutes on the foam roller, because neurologically that is not going to help you at all. It's actually going to hurt your motivation. Mm -hmm. So like with our six phase sequence, we would take away all that parasympathetic stimulation and we would be putting a vast majority of our time into corrective movements paired with activation techniques and actually CNS based response at a little bit lower of a volume because really we don't we need to peak these people we need to keep them peaked uh, in their neurotransmitters and we need to continue that throughout their training program we need to keep it exciting something that people can feel having a mind muscle connection having a twitchy based movement that's where they're going to flourish but with the six phase system it's uh, it's about plugging and playing where people need it so if they spend 15 seconds on a foam roller cool just make sure it's not 15 minutes because that is going to just deter from the results of the workout but that's the cool thing about our systems is that this sounds like a super super deep concept but really the way that we plug and play these different variations based off of the neurological profiles of the people, you could literally have a group training session of 15 different athletes. They could all go through the exact same movement patterns for their warm-up prep, and you could just put different volumes on it. Exactly. So everyone could get out in six to eight minutes, but everyone's just focusing on some different stuff with the volume that they're placing on it. Maybe they do, they do two to three minutes more of activation instead of parasympathetic work. You know, there's an interplay between those two things. So really you break it down, you have like parasympathetics happen, you have correcting the movement, that's like the intermediary, and then you have a sympathetic response, which is like your CNS prep, as your jumps, your throws, your sprints. And you think about those three different uh, modules of the dynamic warmup, and you really just need to determine based off of somebody's personality profile and what they need in that day, how you plug and play into the system. So what we're talking about here seems super, super deep, but when we simplify it out, these are action steps that literally every single coach can be taking, like literally on Monday after a two-day seminar with us. And here's what I saw with, like, so with you, what you guys are saying, I, uh, this is, I heard this, I don't know, a long time ago, but it was uh, like the, the dinner mentality. So yes. appetizer, entree, dessert, yep. right? So essentially you look at those three and you go like, what does this profile need? Right. Well, that needs exactly. to be their entree. Yeah. And we can put, this is the appetizer, this yeah. is dessert, right? So you can kind of see which one is more important. And the same thing for the training part, you know, yeah. that we were talking no, about. So, like, so for example, uh, you're training a different, like novelty seeker, for example, to continue on what Dr. John was saying is that now the novelty seeker, they need to increase dopamine as fast as possible and they need to decrease parasympathetic response because they need more activation. Once they're activated, they are the best performer. These are normally the sprinters. I mean, I've seen sprinters, when you look at them in everyday life, they, they are the laziest person ever. They walk slow, they talk slow, but once it's on, it's on. I mean, uh, football running backs are often like that, Olympic weightlifters are often like that. So as far as training goes, once we've done uh, the prep work, uh, for example, their main lift, they would respond better to lower reps. N not because physiologically they, they can't do higher reps, it's because if you force them to do like, like 10 sets of 10 on squats, they will get bored. And if they get bored, they don't train hard. If they don't train hard, they don't get results. So lower reps work better. Uh, and also a non-static rep scheme. So for example, 
example, going 54321 or doing 753753, changing the stimulus at every set so it feels different. It feels different and works great for them. If they're doing straight sets, let's say sets of three reps, which is a rep number they, they do great on, they will need to have a much longer ramp because we both use uh, an activation ramp on our big lift. So that means doing plenty of easier set with maximum acceleration to turn on the nervous system. While novelty seekers would need up to 12 gradually heavier sets before the working sets, focusing on acceleration because they need that dopamine increase to perform well. And dopamine is increased mostly by explosive work, uh, by heavy work. So so that's what will turn them on. So that's why they thrive on lower reps. They love, they are naturally attracted to the lower reps. But they also do great on any activation exercise jumps, throws, medicine ball, uh, work, striking a, a tire with a sledgehammer, stuff like that. So that's just one example. Of course, then we would have the assistance work. Uh, we would have uh, how, how often they need to vary their training. The novelty seekers would need to change their training every two weeks, sometimes even more. Otherwise, they just get bored. It just um, It's not because of a physiological need for change. It's a, a psychological, exactly. neurological need. Every time they change something, they, they get a higher dopamine response, which makes them even more addicted to training and also makes their work capacity go up. The higher your dopamine is compared to your serotonin, the higher the work capacity is. So if you can increase their dopamine with the prep work, uh, then they can actually have a much higher workload in the session without risking neural overtraining. Uh, See, that's That's fascinating stuff. And and, and I think that's the game changer, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you looked at that profile and then you look risk averse and, you know, it's, it's way better for everything to be more structured, not a lot of change in if you don't see that and, and, and give the program that you'd give to that, that uh, uh, novelty seeker to the risk averse person, I mean, like they're out the door. Yeah, or, I mean, you're for them, up. variation actually is a stress. So uh, arm avoidance, the second profile, uh, variation is a stress. So it actually, w- they will get less result and it will actually increase anxiety. If it ins- increase anxiety, flexors get tight, pain uh, perception increases, they have no fun to train anymore. That second profile wants at all costs to avoid pain. They want to avoid any unplanned event. They want to control everything. They want to do something that is predictable. So every time that you increase stress, that you change things around, uh, then it makes them want to get out of the door. So, so even if the, it were the best training program in the history of mankind, if they want to run out screaming, they will not get results and you won't see them in two months. That's a big secret, though, is everyone's looking at the X's and O's of training as a great program. What's a great program on paper? Mm. It doesn't exist because it's N equals one when it comes to training a client in front of you. You need to be matching the types of programming schemes, the types of loading, the types of nutrition stimuli that they actually need. Because theoretically, something could be amazing on paper. Mm. And if it doesn't match their personality profiles, then you're doing the polar opposite of what they actually need and we wonder why people burn out at such high rates in our industry have you uh, guys uh, like so I've dabbled in this quite a lot actually in the last years asking clients to exercises they enjoy and actually yeah. plugging it in yeah. for them yeah. right that's the opposite of what everybody does but that's yeah. a smart thing to do because then it's like well I and then what what started happening at the beginning they were like well I kind of like that but I don't know if like okay cool we'll do that and it was like oh <laughs> Okay, yeah, but they had they they put and I started realizing that people would do work way harder on that exercise. Of course, because you'd go, hey, we're gonna do Bulgarian, you know, uh, split squats, and you'd see people's faces like, 
<laughs> and they, they do it, but like, what's what's all happening in neurologically for that person? You know, like yeah. it, it, they they might just be like, ah, fuck this, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it creates it, stress response, yeah. create increased cortisol, and, and actually probably will negate their gains. And okay, so one of the things that that I I have to admit that like I haven't dabbled in enough, but made, but made me fascinated was when you were talking about because. In general, you know, for most people, I, when it comes to supplementation, I say, well, you know, uh, there's this basics that will be really well for you. You know, focus on your main nutrition. Mm-hmm. But you, you did like dig in into a little bit for different uh, personality types, you know, things that you would supplement with. Uh, maybe if you could talk a little bit about that, because that, that was like really eye opening for me as far as uh, even for myself, because mm-hmm. I, I saw a trace and I'm like, OK, I, I deal with that. I deal yeah. with anxiety. Well, it, right it, now. It, 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 for, I'll give you an example. Right. I've always and I've written in the past that I really like carbs pre-workout uh, because the reason for using carbs pre-workout is that they lower cortisol response. The reason for that is that uh, cortisol is increased during training to mobilize stored energy. But if you have energy readily available, you don't need to mobilize it, so you don't raise cortisol as much. Now, it works great for many people, actually gets them a lot more muscle gain, much more strength gain, work capacity, all that stuff. But for other people, it actually almost put them to sleep when they're training. It just shut them down. Now, some people theorize that it was either because of it blocked cortisol so much that it couldn't mobilize energy. Now, that's not the case because you have energy readily available. So it's not a matter of not producing enough cortisol. It's Some people said, well, it's because of blood sugar drop. No, because you're continuing having your carbs during the workout. It's still going on into you. So it's not low blood sugar either. The reason is that uh, some people who have, for example, low serotonin level, uh, already high serotonin level, sorry. So for if you have low dopamine, high serotonin, like the novelty seekers. You don't have good work capacity until your dopamine increases. Mm -hmm. It has to be higher than serotonin. So if you take a lot of carbs, serotonin will go up. So if serotonin goes up, then it's much harder to reach that point where dopamine is is increasing it. So as long as serotonin is going up, you actually have no energy to train. You have no motivation to train. You feel down on yourself. So that will actually be, be... bad strategy for them to use the carbs pre-workout. Uh, they should they would do better on MCT oil and amino acids, for example. Uh, they also don't do well taking BCAAs because the BCAAs, even though it's a great supplement, it competes for transport with dopamine. So it actually decreases the action of the dopamine. And since they have a low dopamine, it actually, again, decreases the work capacity. For so, Some people might get great results from BCAAs, other it will do nothing. So that would be an example of a different strategy. The arm avoidance, the second type of profile that stress about anything that have naturally high cortisol level, these people will do great Mm -hmm. on carbs pre-workout because it will help them decrease uh, cortisol levels. They will also do great on phosphatidylserine, which decreases cortisol level, and glycine post-workout, which decreases cortisol level, magnesium glycinate in the evening to decrease cortisol again. So for that profile, over-anxious, introverted, overthinker, overanalyzer, paralysis by analysis, they overproduce cortisol, they need supplements that decrease and strategies that decrease cortisol. You can't make these people diet low carbs. If you take an anxious person 
introverted, stressed out of their mind, overproducing cortisol, you cut carbs while you're just it's pumping out cortisol even yeah, more. Uh, yeah, exactly. And their serotonin level is already low. And since serotonin is low, you put them on a low carbs, it goes even lower and a low depression. So, so that's another example of strategies that differ on the types. If you are with a reward dependent person, the third type of personality, uh, these people uh, are at high risk of binging out. So when you're dieting, if you give them like a cheat day and they eat crap, they might never go back on a diet. I had a client like that. I, I was not, that was a years ago, so I didn't have that approach mastered at that time, uh, I, I, I gave her a diet, 21 days, low carbs. Mm -hmm. Tremendous, tremendous physical changes. Then I made the mistake of saying, well, you can cheat one day, eat everything you want, you earned it 21 days. She was never able to go back on a diet. What, I could do anything, she could not get back on a diet. So that's another example. If, you, if I had known how she works, I would not have given her uh, that approach. So, so it's all a matter of understanding how your, the brain of your client works so that you can have the best strategies to make sure that they will. All right. Those who get the best results are not those who get the fastest result. They are those who stick with it for the longest. Exactly. It, Lee Boyce said something. I mean, he said, if you're going to be lifting for your life, what does it matter? We're going to be lifting in six weeks, right? Well, the same thing is the same thing is true for body fat or body comp or muscle mass. If you're going to be training your whole life, it doesn't matter what you do and to get in in six weeks. What you do in six years matter even more. Yeah. So don't if you go too hard and it's not your profile, it can make you crash and you actually stop training, stop dieting. You actually never get results, even if you had great potential in the first place. And then if you do, if you keep doing that over and over, you start believing. The pattern that it, it's not right for you or was it made yeah. for you or yeah. whatever it may be we all know it, those guys though like they get results no matter what it's mm. like they go in and everything's just inherently easy they kind of eat like shit mm. but they're lean as fuck yeah we know some of those people <laughs> <laughs> but, and then you know they go into the gym and you know that it seems like they're hitting prs every single cycle and it's just inherently easy to them these people are drawn naturally towards these types of trainings with the personality profiles that they have and i think that we can experience as athletes above being coaches what we need because when we try to force feed ourselves into uh, dogmatic and theoretical systems it usually doesn't work out very well but you know that comes with time that comes with actual experience in the trenches mm. with yourself trying to figure out what you need and for us to try to figure out what our clients need. So, I mean, it's hard as hell to train yourself and be objective with yourself because many coaches, we just like to experiment. Exactly. We are the novelty yeah, yeah. seeker, yeah, exactly. but we need to use our experiences to see what we can do with ourselves to figure out, hey, I can really see one aspect of my own personality profile in my clients because you're going to be able to relate to them far more instead of just force feeding some of these systems, especially in barbell sport, mm. especially in bodybuilding, it seems like, oh, I'm coming to a show. I got to go low carb. It's like, uh, maybe, you know, you don't know until you actually go down and seek out some of these informations that are out there now. Okay. Now with that, a, a question I think will have relevance here. So because certain people like obviously are risk averse, you also are going to not only exercise selection, but progression, regression of it. Yeah. Right. Now, what about people, you know, because we're all always talking about competence and mastery of movement before, you know, trying to progress and, and push that. But if you have a novelty seeker sometimes or, or a, you know, a reward person that and you give them an exercise and they feel like, ah, 
this is, you know, I, I want something else. I want it to be more challenging or whatever, because they feel like the, the risk averse person, too much challenge game over. Yeah. But the person that's a novelty seeker, you can, you can push that a little bit more. If they feel challenged, it actually excites yeah. them more. Right. Even I have example of like Olympic weightlifters or CrossFit athletes mm-hmm. that were doing Olympic, they could miss 200 snatches in a workout and it doesn't bother them at all. <laughs> But if you have the arm avoidance people, they, they miss one snatch and the session is over. I mean, or reward dependent, if they don't feel competent in an exercise, it kills their motivation because their, their driving force is looking good in front of others. They, they are the people pleaser. They need the respect and admiration of others. So if they feel like they're doing a skill and they really can't do it properly, it will kill their motivation. While the novelty seekers don't, doesn't matter. They, they will actually face the challenge and they want that challenge. And that's, I mean, to me, that's night and day. I mean, think about it, right? Like if you come in, you could give somebody, you'd say, well, well let's do a kettlebell goblet squat might be the best thing, but, but why? Okay. But we may give him a front squat because it's harder, but that guy's going to be fine because he's going to want to, even if he, mm-hmm. you know, if it's hard, that's actually going to excite him more. Mm-hmm. Right. But that guy, man, we're going to start with a goblet squat. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, but, but that's a huge difference, right? It, it's a huge difference. If you're training a client and it's, it, it doesn't seem a lot, but that might be the difference between like, this gym doesn't challenge me, mm-hmm. right? That guy might be like, this gym doesn't challenge me. So then they'll go, you know, somewhere where maybe not, it's not as smart of a training program, yeah. but they'll get challenged. Mm-hmm. Right? I was intrigued though, like the last 10 years, the popularization of the CrossFit model, right? Like why do people gravitate towards that so much? They're just going in. They know their target audience. They know they're going after that novelty seeker. seeker. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they're coming in droves yeah. and everyone seems to be flourishing. Mm-hmm. Maybe the results aren't the best in body composition or strength or skill, but they just fucking love what mm-hmm. they're doing. Exactly. That's the best example that I could see. And we look at like strength and conditioning facilities like Vigor Ground or like our spot. We look at trying to match everything with their needs because people that come to us, usually they fall out of CrossFit or they fall out of competitive barbell sport and they just need something different because they fell through the cracks on that stuff. But you have to be matching people based off of movement patterns, you know, a movement pattern differentiates itself from an actual exercise because a movement pattern is something that everybody can do. But when we look at the means and the methods behind programming around the movement patterns, that's where we can actually be savvy coaches and get the best results for the type of individual that's in front of us instead of going, all right, we got front squats for everybody today. Everyone's going to front squat five by five with 90 seconds rest in between. That doesn't work anymore and it doesn't have to work. And that's why we're paid as coaches to actually coach human beings because we have to make those on the fly changes to look at people's facial expressions, to look at their body types and the way that they're holding their secondary respiratory muscles, things like that. You can just see so much. And we were joking around today. Chris was on the floor coaching an Olympic lifter, literally had his head on the floor looking up at an angle. And this is some stuff that you just have to put the emphasis in in person. Like you cannot online coach this kind of stuff. You know, you can use your personality yeah. profiles and you can kind of get towards the right direction on that stuff. But really to achieve world-class results, we have to be coaching people in human at least once or twice yeah. if you're going to work with somebody the and getting a good result the from real it. real magic it really is when you can interact with the person. Yes. Because it, it's and because of the things that you're talking about. Yeah, and, exactly. and, and the technique also. And, and But the problem is that most coaches uh, are rep counters. 
They count reps. That's what they, I, I don't know how to count. I mean, <laughs> so, so when, you, when you're training a client, every rep, and that's something that, that John emphasized for the whole seminar is the goal is to collect data. Every, every time you look at a movement, every time you look at a single rep, it gives you data to analyze what's wrong. Uh, just, again, body language. If you look at body language, you, because you ask a client, right? Ask a client and you tell them, well, how's that feeling? Very rarely, well, it, okay, the, the novelty seeker, if he doesn't feel like he's enjoying it, he will, he will tell you. The arm avoidance won't tell you because he doesn't want to disappoint you, doesn't want the stress of something new. The reward dependent do not want to look bad in your eyes, so it will, all, it will always say that that's fine. So you have to use your visual cues yeah. and body language. Again, anxiety, the flexors will tighten up. So that tells you right off the bat if that person is intimidated. How are they walking toward the barbell? How are they unracking the barbell? Are they like vigorous, creating tension, or is it like half-assed? That alone tells you if that person is comfortable with the program, mm -hmm. because they will very rarely tell you how they feel. And one of the well, like I, I put this down like almost as a quote. You said, "If you're counting reps, you can't be coaching." Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like you can't be. You can't. You can't pay attention to what's going on, how it's going on. So that that's not your job. Your no. job is not to count reps. Your job is to coach. Exactly. To uh, so analyze and give feedback when needed. But again, the, the, the type of feedback you give depends on the personality. Uh, like, I mean, some quick stuff. I mean, if you're looking at, like for the coaches that are listening in, three things that I look at with everybody, facial expression. Facial expression is huge. And we look at uh, the secondary respiratory muscle. We're talking like scalenes, upper traps. People yeah. are sitting here like this, all mm -hmm. flexed forward, internally rotated, elevated up at the scaps. That's something that something's not going on. Like people should be, you know, if you watch the CrossFit games, nobody's walking around like this. They're all like having a great fucking time. And then when you look at uh, movement quality, if everything's herky jerky, if they're trying to overanalyze every single thing, we're not doing the right stuff. We like smooth sequential motion that actually looks and feels good. So it looks good to you as the coach, but it feels good to them. They're not going to necessarily tell you based off of their personality mm -hmm. profile how it feels. So you have to go back to the way things look, the way things that look in the face, and the kind of posturing that they're presenting with. If they're walking around between sets or they're walking through your door. You know, those are important things that everyone inherently gravitates towards naturally, but we've never systemized it yet. Yeah. I, I love that we're talking about this because this is coaching. Yeah. Right. Exactly. This is coaching and we could go like, oh. Everybody can learn how to write programs. Go to your, exactly. on the internet. Yeah. Go on everything. The, you will find 200 good programs. <laughs> but that's not, a coach, if, if you want to make money as a coach, don't do what everybody does online, which is write programs. Coach. coach. That's what you're paid for. That's why you have value. Because right. then there's arguments about like what's you know what's better four six or this that or the, you know what, whatever right. But the, the reality is like the majority of the stuff that happens is in what we're talking about right now. It's funny you brought up too and said you know like the CrossFit like probably attracts the novelty seeker. Mm -hmm. And then there's other programs that attract the you know the, the, the risk averse people. Yeah, and Jim Wonder five three one is a good yeah. example. Exactly. Yes. So so you almost have like here's these different things that attract different people. But I I believe that if you're a great coach and if you're you know if you have a gym that really goes like you know what i'm gonna this is the standard i'm gonna, I'm gonna set that you can come and help anybody yeah. mm -hmm. right because it becomes difficult if somebody comes in and they trust you and their friend said like this is awesome right yeah and they come in but the friend was a novelty seeker right and they brought in their friend who was risk averse and they go and do the same thing and all of a sudden it's like oh my like i'm never coming back yeah, here exactly. this is horrible and the thing is that may have made them not even go to another gym, period. Yeah, now yeah. they're just scared because right. they're like, this is how fitness is. 
And these personality profiling, man, it, like it, it, when you start looking at it, you go, it for really was like a, a light bulb aha moment, yeah. you know, and how you can plug it into your system. Right. I mean, that was that was fantastic. When man. you talk like, about the coaching system too, like when you're looking at programming, like we we write a lot of articles about like high performance programming methodology, but you can break that down very simply based off of the neurological profiling. How much stuff do we do before the big compound indicator mm-hmm. lift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much ramping do we need to achieve max effort on the big compound lift? And what kind of uh, excitement do we get with the accessory work? Mm-hmm. Like if you look at it just as that, what happens before? How do you get to a big lift? How do you actually perform well in the big lift? And how do you stay sane through you know the the lesser uh, accessory work? You know, that's really what it breaks down to. And, and even um, because you said you know like the differences between if you have somebody uh, like I said like a novelty seeker that does a max effort workout one day, just having the frame of it will tank them and having the frame of mind. Okay, next day it's dynamic effort. It's exactly. more explosive and power stuff. Uh, you, you, that, that's it. Uh, a novelty seeker, we have to understand how they work. They, they have low baseline dopamine, but they are highly responsive to an increase in dopamine. So during a strength workout, they actually produce a lot of dopamine, but because they have a, such a low baseline level, they can crash. So during an high intensity work, heavy stuff, really, really increase dopamine. But if you do too much of it, or if you go to your limit, you can crash your natural level. It might actually break two, three days just to get your dopamine back to normal level. But the worst thing for them to do is not train after a heavy workout. The best thing to do is go to the gym, do what I call a neural charge workout, which is 20, 25 minutes, only explosive work, non-fatiguing. You should actually leave the gym wanting to train. Yeah, feeling good, wanting to train. So doing uh, maybe short sprints, jumps, throws, striking a a tire with a sledgehammer, um, doing shadow boxing, Hitting, hitting a bag, something a heavy bag, something like that, to non-fatiguing level, just to get that increase in dopamine to help you recharge, neurocharge workout. But just to get back to one thing you mentioned, and that thing, I think that's one thing that's really important, and I made that mistake a lot when I was younger as a coach, is most coaches coach their clients as if it were themselves. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course we hear their goals, that, but, but we always t- tend to coach them through our own likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. So we try to fit our own approach to everybody yeah, else. Yeah. So it, when I was younger, I would be great at training short fat guys because that's what I was. <laughs> but but when I went at like, like six, four, six, four, six, five guy who had problems putting weight on, I couldn't, I couldn't train them. They, they would not get any results uh, because they have different body types and also because they probably had a different personality than I did. So if you at work with somebody who is like you, then fine, do what you do. But if you're working with different people, then that won't work. So that's why my articles, sometimes they're all over the place, but it's because I work with all kinds of people and these systems all work if you fit it to the right person. And so moving forward, like, uh, you know, what, what would you like, what would you guys like to see change in the industry based on some of these things? Like I always like asking this question because I, I have some views on, you know, what the f- kind of like what the future is. But, you know, what 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 do you see it be like if if man, if the industry could shift, like what yeah. would you like to see everybody doing? You know, what I mean? so I was asked this question. It was an interview with uh, Stack Media. Uh, Dr. Joel Seedman and I were individually interviewed for the same article and we didn't know what each other said and we both said exactly the same thing the re-emergence of personalized Mm. personal training and strength coaching 
that is going to be the future. And I'm going to go one step further. And that, uh, along the same line is education. Yeah. Because most coaches, they have their own beliefs and they're happy with that. Mm -hmm. and, and they don't want to go elsewhere because what I'm doing works. Yeah, but that might not, will not work for everybody. People should go out and, and seek information. That might be on the internet, that might be on video, that might be on seminars, that might be from talking to other people, doing some consulting work. But you need to open your mind to different systems. Because even if a system, all right, I'll give you an example, uh, 531. Yeah. I mentioned it all the time. It's a great program. It gives great results, and I recommended it to many people. I would not do it if you paid me to do it because it doesn't fit my profile. And I would actually get bored after a week and a half. But that doesn't mean it's not a good program. That doesn't mean that I should not learn about it because even though I will never use it myself, I could use such an approach with a client that, that will be the perfect fit for that person. So if you never learn, other programs, other systems, and you only learn, people, they want to learn as long as it reinforces their own beliefs. Belief, yeah. <laughs> But what good does that does, do you? I mean, you have to learn drastic opposite so that you can work with people who are completely different than you are. And I think I, I always say, like, I, I'm willing to be wrong every day so I can be better. Exactly. Because the thing is, as soon as you know, like, you're right and you know stuff, you shut everything else yeah. off. And based on, you know, like this weekend, what was great to me is that now when you look at different systems from different people, you can use it as a tool towards X, Y, Z. And, you know, we talked about things as like things that I love, like I love FRC, right? But it, like, for instance, what would you give to someone might be very different because they, not because it's not great, it's because for their, for their personality type, they might just be like, I, I can't do this. Right. Right. So for them to buy in, you might have to use something else. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you don't have a lot of tools in the toolbox, what ends up happening is you keep going back to the same yeah. thing. And then the person is like, oh, this is just not for me. That's And, tough though. Like personal trainers, uh, we inherently gravitate people like us. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at any big box commercial gym, if you look at the trainers, you know, usually it's like the young guy that's like 25 who has all the young women who he's training and everyone has kind of the same goal. It's like superficial aesthetics. Mm -hmm. Or you see the old school trainer training all of the geriatric population mm -hmm. because people see themselves yeah. in a trainer. Yep. But when you get to the next level, you have to be able to pick what people need because that's what they're paying you for. You are the expert. Uh, I learned this one the hard way because it's been years since I started, I stopped training people full time. Mm -hmm. But I naturally gravitated when I was younger, you know, the people that just wanted to get ripped, wanted to look good. Mm -hmm. And with my background, like it didn't fit just because it was so superficial. But now I know, I know you're coaching a bunch of different kind of athletes. Like on my roster right now, I have a pro triathlete. I have geared power lifters going to the international championships. I have recreational crossfitters. I have people up to 70 years old. Like, you can't get any more yeah. diverse than that. But I was almost forced into it because for me, the one thing that brought all those people together is that they were either banged up, they needed to train through pain or whatever they're doing wasn't working. So they're trying to look for something different. 
but it's so easy to try to stay within your comfort zone as a coach, only train one kind of person. You know, I'm the kettlebell guy. So if you want to do kettlebells, come to me. I'm the powerlifting guy. If you want a power lift, come to me. And you don't know anything else. And that's fine. You know, there's specialists out there. But every time a specialist works with somebody else, we at least need to have the appreciation for uh, cross-referencing with other specialists. And if you don't even know what exists out there, that's going to be hugely limiting even to your specialty clientele. But, you know, the things that you're saying, like, because communication is such a big part of it, like empathy, communication, like hearing, you know, because you could know a lot of stuff. But if you can't connect, so these all these things start connecting now, right? Like, and this is why I would say that the future is like really people becoming super competent coaches right. that can, you know, understand body language, can can communicate with the seventy five you know year old guy that's that's you know had a hip replacement and is stressed about X Y Z and the young athlete and you know the busy entrepreneur. Uh, and, and be able to connect with them with the right communication, see where they kind of fit and what's going to be best for them. Right. And I, I think that like that is the future, which means that what? That people have to become a lot more competent mm-hmm. in these different areas because it it's not just the training side of things. It's the communication and understanding what happens with nutrition yeah. when, when, when people are yeah. different. Right? It's I mean, a slippery slope, though, because there's so much information out there in our industry. You could sign on and read a thousand articles from Chris right now. You could read another 500 from me. You could go to any certification in the world and everyone's preaching one model. And when I always get butthurt now because we've gotten to the point in the last couple of years where we produce like a 3000 word article and it has a lot of deep methods in it. It has coaching methods. And you look at the average read rate on a site and it's like 27 seconds. You're like, hold on a sec. Like people want to know what's out there. So they want to have superficial based knowledge on stuff, but they can't apply it. You can't take action on superficial knowledge. Mm. So I always tell people like, go deep dive on one thing, see how it compares to what you believe in. And then when you think you have a mastery level of that, start plugging and playing into the stuff that you think can be useful into your system and then keep on doing that. I mean, I look at your staff here at Vigor Ground. These dudes are hungry, but they're learning from so many different things. And I mean, you look at the classes out here and I was like, whoa, like I could see different influences in every phase of the team training that you had out there. But nobody's doing that. Everyone's force feeding stuff instead of actually being real coaches. I think that a big problem that comes with that and also with people who are always using only like I'm training you the way I would train myself is that, again, you get people with great results. You get people with no results. The big problem, what is the natural reaction to these trainers? They start to pay less attention to those who are not getting results. (laughs) I'm so so glad you brought this up. We saw that all the time. Have you seen? Okay, so there was a phase. I think this phase is still going on, especially online. But I think what people say, I'm not going to train with people that are uncommitted. I'm only training with people that are committed. And I and I go like fucking like, of course, like they're uncommitted. That's why they need help. Right. But 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 you end because if those people are super committed, super motivated, they're already be doing a lot of the stuff that Mm -hmm. they're hiring us to do. But like you said, um, because if you don't understand the profiles, it, it ends up being a problem because you don't know how to communicate with these people. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah. I'm just going to train. These people respond well. They're not serious. And then you get all these, which is the majority. The majority gets extracted. Right. You know, you, you get the folks that like are easier to work with. And, and 
I call it the, um, it's the commitment continuum, right? The people that when they talk to me, they say, I'm going to try, right? Or I can't. They're here. The person that says, I wish is here. The person says, I want is here. The person that says, commit is here, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you work different with this person than yeah. with that person, right. right? And what I see a lot of is that coaches are like, well, I'm going to work with these people. It's easy. Because they're serious, yeah. right? They, that's the story they tell them, but exactly what Slow you say. It's like, fruit. it's easy, right? Yeah. And it's like, the rest aren't serious. That's 85, 90% of the people yeah. then aren't serious. But in another area of life, you're doing the same shit, whether it's, I don't know, finances yeah. or business or whatever it may be. And so that's why I think this is so important, like that it allows you to, to like really kind of like shift the perspective and go, wait, 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 wait. Maybe like I need to improve my skill set in one, like learn this and mm-hmm. become better at one, communicating to giving people what's going to work for them versus right. what I believe is going to yeah. you know, yeah. work for everybody. I mean, you look at like the burnout rate in our industry, like we've never been sicker or more fat in our Western society. And it's our fucking fault as fitness professionals. It's our fault. It's not the fault of the people that we're supposed to be helping. They're falling through the cracks on us and we're letting them. Instead of actually being real life human beings that can make an emotional connection to somebody and give them what they need. Uh, It's a frustrating thing. And you look at nutrition, you look at psychology, you look at training, physicality, and we're really dropping the ball on some of this stuff. And it's because we're trying to force feed people into systems instead of just being a human being and connected. You know, when I was... uh Working in St. Louis, Andre Benoit, who's a very yeah, good yeah, strength yeah. coach, a good friend of mine, he, he, uh, he mentioned something. He actually is the one who hired me. And uh, I was in his office. I, that was my first day. And he said, Christian, um, what is the most important for a client to get results? And as I mentioned in the seminar, you know, I, I already wrote two books. I was writing articles. I had trained pro athletes. So I was the shit, right? <laughs> so I gave them the guy who thinks he knows everything answer. You know, well, Andre, it's, you have to select the proper training methods to elicit the proper <laughs> physiological response to get the neural and, neural and physical adaptations you want out of the client. And he's looking at me like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> so I, I try like two, two more like smart ass answers like that. And he said, Christian, you're not even close. And I said, well, what is the most important to get results? Because I'm saying, well, what the, can that guy like teach me? I wrote two books, man. <laughs> I said, well, he said the most important thing is that the client must trust you 100% and be motivated by what you're doing. So how can you trust somebody 100% if you don't have a personal relationship with them? It's, yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. I mean, you can trust somebody because they look good, but if they treat you like shit and they don't pay attention to you, that confidence w- won't last very long. You have, it's like any team building, right? The best coaches are the coaches for whom the athletes are ready, are ready to go to war with, for. So you need to be that as a coach. Your athletes need to be willing to do whatever because they are believing in you. And so they trust you. So you can't do that if you don't build a good, solid, personal relationship man well we could go so many different directions with this and start going down but here's of course there's a limit to how close the personal relationship is. <laughs> <laughs> points taken um so but okay now right now like because you guys both are are, are um like the, the way i looked at it right is that what you're talking about like fits very well into your system and, and your program. Like I, I, I've already told, you know, told you, like, I would love to see something down the line where people can go and, and say, Oh, well, it's like the cook and the chef. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, exactly. I think more people need to get really good at cooking mm-hmm. yeah. and like these different areas. Right. So whether it's 
communication, whether it's uh, uh, like realizing the profiles and then having some type of container framework to, right. to, to yeah. put that in. And then once you get really, really good at being a cook, then maybe you become a chef someday. Yeah, exactly. People are trying right. to get to it, being a chef before being a cook. Right, right, right off the bat. Yeah. And, the, and, the shit, and it tastes like shit. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and it tastes like shit. So, you know, and what would you say is, um, okay, maybe a couple of missing links. Like if, if you could help, and I'll, I'll throw in my two cents at the end, but, um, you know, what would, do you think that it is something that people should study more or pay, pay more attention to? Like if you're a coach right now, you know, and, and like I said, I'm sure that there's d different things you guys both think, but I don't know what's one of the top two, you know, for each one of you, they say like, you know what, coaches need to dig deep a little bit more or a lot more into fill in the blank. What, what area do you think? I see it a lot because like with our FHT program, like 75% of people that go into it are fitness professionals. And I see a lot of people coming in and they want to experience the program. But as soon as, so that's like what makes them purchase. It's like, holy shit, everyone's doing this program. It's getting awesome results. I'm going to go experience these 12 weeks instead of being like when they get in and they see like the kind of interactions we have it's like no this is not just a static program it's hugely plastic because Lindsay and i we spend almost all day answering people's questions and trying to customize this shit and that's like the biggest secret is that even the most static of programs like on a sales page or whatever they can't you can't just go execute x's and o's there has to be some human interaction to it we got to be looking at videos we got to be going over subjective subjectives with people we actually have to modify even the best of programs right mm -hmm. and that's a big secret because people are coming in and professionally they're like oh shit like i i literally can't just go execute this program that's supposed to be pain-free and the best for everybody but that's the big secret you don't have to and if somebody's selling you something that is going to be you must do x y and z no matter what that's not going to be something that's sustainable And you look at sustainability and giving people life tools to create foundations. That's the goal that everybody needs to have with their clientele. You know, again, the chef and the cook. You know, we need to learn how to cook. We need to learn how to cook. But eventually, you got to be your own chef. You know, you have to have those skills. You have to experience so many different types of training metrics. You have to experience the feel-based effect. And you need to experiment with yourself because the best coaches in the world, they can't feel what you feel. Mm -hmm. You need to feel it for yourself. You need to experience it for yourself. And once you have it, then you go off and you can really go off for a lifetime of physicality and nutrition, whatever it may be, even life skills. And once you find that, you're good. You know, it's like having a kid. You know, you don't want to have to parent your kid when they're 40 years old. But if you have a two-year-old at home, you got to show them the life skills so they can eventually go out and do it on their own. And that's what I, because, you know, both of you guys I know have done, like, done a ton of stuff, right? I, I, I think in the last, you know, 15 years, I've probably, I don't know, done, I'd like to think it's almost every program out there. But same thing, I've tried different nutrition, tried different program, you know, got programs from different coaches that now there's a lot of, like, I read it. Got it. <laughs> got it. You know, versus like you said, experiencing it yeah. and like really spending the time 
diving in and becoming a you know great cook at whatever right. methodology of cooking mm-hmm. it is, and then you can move on and like you know do do the whole show. I was having the conversation with uh, your Slovenian guys that came to the seminar, and by the way, two people from Slovenia came to Seattle to hear us in this seminar, which was I was blown away at. But these guys were really good coaches, and they were laughing because. They were seeing trainers in their same gym in Slovenia. They were watching videos literally at 9 a.m. And their 10 a.m. client, they were doing those exercises. (laughs) And they they laughed at it because they're like, oh, you do a lot of the same stuff on your social media. I'm like, because that's the way that we train. And for me personally, like if there's something new out there, there's a process of putting it into play for clientele. I have to sit there and I have to deep dive on the methodology itself. Then I have to test it with myself. I'll test it with Lindsay. We'll test it with a very small beta group of people. And then we're like, shit, this stuff works. And it's like six months later. And then boom, that video goes into play yeah. with our clients. Same There's a else. process. When, when I, uh, I spent uh, at one point six months doing only gymnastic rings work <laughs> for six months, twice a day, just because I wanted to understand what they were doing. And I can't do that if I have like five or six different training methods at the same time, because I, it could it would be hard to say, well, that is a, coming from the rings or not from a combination. But, but to answer the original question, I, and my answer is pretty much the same as John, but uh, from a different perspective, I think that coaches need to be more intellectually involved. Mm. And when I say intellectually involved, it's the whole process. It is when you coach a session. Uh, I mean, I was coaching uh, one of the attendees on on the Olympic lifts earlier, and one comment that John made is that, I just watch you go through 16 different angles on one rep. (laughs) I always change because I'm always wanting to look at every single position to understand the movement correctly. Most coaches, they, they, they don't, get involved enough in the session. I mean, you are a coach, you're not a friend, you're not a rep counter. You have to look every single rep, you have to look at body language. You you are one hour with that person. So it's one hour of intellectual involvement. It's not one hour of killing time, then chatting about the weekend. Every second you spend, you building data. So you have to be intellectually involved. Now you have to be intellectually involved in your own training. Let's say that I'm training the, uh, uh, let's I'm trying, Five three one to get back to my example. Well, I do it. I need to understand. I had to f- experience it, but not just experiences. Try to understand why am I feeling this way? Why would that work? Why? What could be improved? Why would that work with certain people? Uh, if I'm going to a seminar, don't just attend. Try to make connection for yourself. Uh, try to find a client that you work with that would that would fit well with. Always be intellectually involved. But the problem is that we have really two classes of coaches in the world of trainers. You have those that I would call really professional trainers. By that, I mean that they want to get better at their craft. They take pride in the work they do in the trenches. They take pride in building knowledge. Then you have the lazy coaches. And I don't want to like uh, put anybody in a corner, but it's see. I see a lot of these guys being more bodybuilders. Like bodybuilders, great physique, maybe drug in hand, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not here to judge. But oftentimes they are, they are looking for, at personal training as a way to make easy money. They have a great build, so they will get clients. That's not a problem, but they will always get clients, but they have a high rate of turnover. So these, sadly, these people oftentimes are the more vocal. They are those that you notice the most because they, the way they carry themselves and the way they look, and they can actually give a bad name 
name to the industry and it can actually give a bad name to personal trainers in front of clients who might consider hiring a trainer. So we have to have more professional coaches, people who take pride in their craft and are just there for an easy buck. And that man and professional coaching never stops. And that's, I think, yeah. too, mm-hmm. what happens is I, what, what I've seen in just my in my experience, in my opinion, is that people get to it's like they have a frame. OK, for three, four years, I'm going to coach mm-hmm. that, yeah. you know, then then yeah. then I'm going to go online <laughs> and then I'm going to build this business. You know, and it's like it's like there's an end date to the coaching part, yeah. you know, and I feel dumber than I ever have, you know, and, and I know I know more than I ever have. And, and but I like to me, I'm still like, you know, I'm like, oh, like this weekend was like. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Let's go down a rabbit hole now, right? Oh, that's the next year here. I'm going to study this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so my, my fill in the blank, which kind of really complements what both of you guys are saying is, is communication. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, you can, you can have understanding and knowledge about everything. If you can't relay it to the client and extract it mm-hmm. from the client, you know, to, to be able to help them. It, I mean, it's like uh, static, right? It's like the, the message is great, yeah. but there's just so much static that nobody can hear it. And communication is a skill. Like, story, you know, I, like for the last two years, I've studied storytelling, like in like in depth. You know, I got books on like similes and analogies, and I mean, just because I wanted to like better relay things to people, you know, and get better at that. And like that, the communi- like you can study that for the rest of your life. You know, networking, communication, connecting with people, right. and you'll never, you know, you'll never master it to the degree that you, you, you know, like to where you don't have to do it anymore. Right. So I, I think that, and that fits in so well with both of what you, cause what, that's what you're really saying in many ways is like, you're yeah. constantly coaching, like right. intellectually coaching, yeah, which always. means that all your senses have to be on Andy sight, I, sound, everything. We were having like, that conversation with Andy, like an hour ago, we were talking about what if everything fucking fell to shit? What if there was no internet anymore? What if there was no books, no anything? What would you fall back on? We could all fall back and, on and, being a coach. And so here's the, you know, because the conversation I had with him in the podcast was like how he, like how I built my business was like from, you know, Slovenia, we were in the woods to yeah. to coming here to, to, to the big box gym, to garage with no windows yeah. and no marketing. Right. So the only thing that I had was like that, like intellectual coaching, being completely present, studying my ass off, yep. having people go like, man, you got to go see this guy. Right. And I think, and that's the, the competence in that five C's pyramid that Andy was talking about. Whereas now I think it's kind of like, ah, I know a little bit of stuff. Right. Let me go run this mm-hmm. ad. Let me, let me go do this thing. You know, this, this, this magical, you know, uh, tactic thing. That you have gonna... people who are online coaches who have never trained anybody, anybody in their physically. life. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that that was actually true I know it oh, is. until it is. I started going, like, uh, I started seeing how many people actually never trained anybody. So they didn't, you know, even to a point, cause I say, uh, somebody asked me a question and said, look, I love the industry. Like, I don't know where to start. I said, you know what? Like, Ask your, your, you know, your sister's boyfriend, your, you know, the guy in school that wants to lose weight. Tell him you're training for free. You know what I mean? And bust your ass. And it's like, and, and, and show them that you can get results and get entrenched in it yep. and get competent at it. And guess what? You know, you'll help three, four people change. And and that's actually like, how I started. That's how, that's the, how, the, the first two years that I coached, uh, I was still in college. 
and I was still competing in Olympic weightlifting and I uh, trained people for free. I mean, uh, I had this group of athlete hockey players uh, and uh, figure skaters. And for the figure skaters, they needed somebody to teach them the Olympic lift. My friend was their actual coach, but he didn't do anything. So I would go there twice a week for free just to coach them the Olympic lift. And the hockey players were trained by my mentor at the time. Uh, and he was writing a program, but he didn't have time to go physically with them in the gym. So I started out going them with them once a week, but then it was at every single session and eventually I designed their own program. So for two years, uh, I trained people for free, but you know, I was still living with my parents, so that, that wasn't a stress, but that really allowed me because during that two year period, I probably trained like 200 athletes. So so that's a lot of experience to start getting in a market with. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and now it's like, you know, we, we had that discussion uh, earlier, how like, you know, the experts now will tell you like, don't do anything for free, you know, value your time. But the thing is, un until you've proven, you know, because yeah. uh, that's how we, I mean, when, when I started in Slovenia, there was no injury. Like, you would either be a strength coach or you'd be a personal trainer that has a job and on the side kind of does it. There was no industry, right? So I, I couldn't, you know, I, could, I couldn't even charge a lot, but I was still playing pro basketball, training people on the side because I loved it, you know, getting results. I was writing for a, a local magazine that started getting some traction. But the first year... I got to a point where I ended up charging $5 per session, you know, and I was just like, I'm making money. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, so it took it probably like two, yeah, about a year and a half, two years where I was like, oh, this, you know, this is what I'm doing. But at that point in time, man, I've, I've read, I don't know how many books, like DVDs, probably I, I, I counted one time that I read 1,400 articles on Elite FTS and T Nation uh, in a certain time frame. It was like every night, two, three hours, I'd be studying the next day. You know, I trained uh, our ba the basketball team I played for, uh, my brother's soccer team doing stuff for that. Like, it, it, it was just a, a lot of things just learning because I almost was like, I, I don't want to charge shit. But now it's kind of like, nope, right off the bat, you know, value yourself. But I'm like... If you don't know stuff, you got to prove it first. Right. And, and even just to a point where you're confident, because how do you build confidence? You, you learn and then you apply it and then you get some self-esteem that you're, you, you can do it, right? Yeah. I, I broke down the numbers on the mastery of being a personal trainer or strength coach in a talk I gave uh, at NorCal Fitness Summit last year. And if you train full time, 40 to 50 hours a week, within five and a half years, you're going to have that 10,000 hours of mastery. But that's five fucking years. That's four, five years minimum. At, at 40, but you're, and you're saying at And at full time, and if, 40 yeah. to 50 hours. And if you're doing the right way, because if you're, just there, if you're just there to count reps, yes. I mean, that's you're actually, you're, you're actually, that's, that's a great point because I always said that, you, and you guys have probably seen it. So I've had some people, you know, when we do internships and, and, and they'll be like, well, I've been in the industry for 10 years. I'm like, <laughs> but for 10 years, you've been doing dumb stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah. you're actually, I'd have to actually, fucking work on erasing all the stuff that you know and then relearning it, which means exactly. there's no way we're going to yeah. do that. And that happens a lot, right? Because the guy that wants to jump the gun is not mastering these concepts. Right. They're, they're, you know, doing so-so at best. So yeah, like I guarantee you that clients also know, they see if you're learning, they see if you're busting your butt, they see if you're getting better, you know, and like, and, and also like being able to say like, Hey, you know what? I, I kind of messed up on that, but I, I'm learning. Like they respect. And it's, stuff it's okay to say. And that. it's okay. To yeah, say. Okay. I, I would even say you gain respect. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you know what? That was a great example. Like uh, you know, I always tell the coaches to so listen. If you don't know it, 
Don't pretend that you yeah. know it. Yeah. Ask me if I don't know, we'll figure it out. But Especially like, with the internet now, people can figure it out. If you give them a bad answer, they, they will know it. <laughs> and then, yeah, they'll be like, yeah. <laughs> fuck, because you try to sound smart, you know? Yeah. And yeah. we had a, a, a lady that was in our, uh, it was just in the orientation for team training. And I mean, you know, they're, they're doing some Spider-Man lunges with thoracic loca- uh, rotations. And she's opened up, like, just making a grimace. And, 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 you know, Justin said, hey, everything, like, good? And she's like, well, you know, I, I have, like, my spine is basically metal rods from here all the way down to mm-hmm. here. So, obviously, she has super – and he was like, yeah. oh, okay, stop, stop, stop. I'm going to – um, I, I don't know what to do here. Let me go get Luca, right? And I, I ended up spending, like, an hour with her on yeah. things she can do, like, why her core is – not working and we got to like get it back to work because basically she's supported right. by rods. And if we, you know, so we were doing all these different drills after the hour, she was like, wow, this was the most like eye opening, like nobody, she's like, I'm a, I'm in the doctors to Pete, but I just listened. I was like, okay, yeah. what about this? When you do this, what about yeah. this? And we were able to modify enough stuff to where she was actually able to train, get a result, not be in pain. And you know, her threat went down and she was just like, this is the most awesome place. Right. You can't, one, you can't do that if you're like, ego is like, well, uh, well, what's happening here is, you know, you, you got to be able to listen. You gotta, I'm, the, I'm the world greatest strength coach. Yeah. Listen to me. <laughs> but, but it, but it, but it's it, theoretical bullshit artists, you know, ex- like they exactly. have the superficial knowledge that they can just get away with just enough of trying to fool somebody for a split second. Uh, the thoracic spine does this, this, and this. And even though you have rods that don't move it, you can actually move against the rods. Like. Okay. There's, there's nothing then, worse than a bit of superficial knowledge because yes. it's enough to look like you know your stuff, yeah. but but yeah. not enough so that you can actually really mess up somebody. It's oh. dangerous. And what, what I've found and appreciate, you guys may notice, is the people that really know what they're doing say, I don't know a shit ton. Yeah. So yeah. every other- They have th- enough confidence to, to say that. They, uh, for example, when I was coaching uh, Julie earlier, uh, I, I gave one bad cue. That actually made her like make a bad lift. I thought that, that is totally my fault. That was overcoaching. I gave you the wrong cue, and because of that, you jumped up in the air and you couldn't go under the barbell. That's totally my fault. But then afterwards, all good reps. So it's you, when you know your stuff, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to to say it and to and to be quiet. And and I, I and I made the mistake too, like early on in my career. Where it's like you got to fill space, right? You know, and now it's like people will say, ask questions, and I'll be quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's you know we're in, living in this day and age where that's weird, right? It's like if somebody goes quiet, it's almost like they don't. What's what's mm-hmm. going on? Yeah. And I'll just say, no, I'm just thinking. You know, and you know the thing fast and slow. Like usually, if you answer really fast, yeah. it's probably yeah. you didn't think about it. It was just like a subconscious answer. Right now, I, th- I think about it. I might be like, you know what? I, I I don't know. I think it might be this and that, but I'm gonna look into it. I'll get back to you about it. A lot, of, a lot of people when, but that's not just training. That's life in general. When you talk to them, let's say somebody asks you a question, most people, they're not thinking about the question or the conversation. They're thinking about what they want to say next. You don't listen to the person. You think about what what do I want to say? Even as soon as it starts, right? It starts and they're like, oh, I know it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to stop talking. So anyways, no, but but this is exactly why, you know, I'm like, I'm such a big, and and nothing lives in isolation, right? You learn communication. And then you learn how to, you know, th- this is why for me, for me, this was great because things I've learned in, in, uh, cause I've studied like behavior change and psychology so much for the last five years. 
is that I was just kind of like smiling. I was like, oh, this is fascinating, right? But I want to know more about it. When you started talking about the chemicals. And well, we're actually going to make the conference like much more, even much more user-friendly. We're yeah. going to show you exactly how to apply in a model that, we, that we're going to build. This is uh, That's game-changing. Yeah. I mean, you got you got to go out to this. I'm, I'm serious. Like everybody that was out here, uh, and I mean, you, this is kind of like the first time you guys presented on this together, right? Exactly. Like, so we had, exactly. we're still working the we're kinks still, out, still, the, yeah. the, the timing, the centric organization. Man, it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's incredible. And it's like, and the thing is, one, if you take all the stuff that we've been talking about, like really building competence, real, building communication skills, like just becoming a great coach, plugging this in, I, you know, people always say, because you guys probably get the question, you know, what's the future? What's the future? And I'm like, man, one, focus on the present, get, become great. But I, I do think that is the future. You know, I mean, obviously, I think the future is always going to be the culture and environments that you build for people when it comes to training, because shitty environments and shitty culture. But that comes with communication. But, right? but absolutely, because yeah, because people feel trusted yeah. and they feel connected to yeah. to that. So yeah, it's, it's it's all like I said to me. I always call it a say. You know, what do I do best? And I'm like, because I, I invented nothing. I c- I can't say I'm the best in the world at like one thing. Honestly, like I always say, like, I'm really, really good at like putting the puzzle pieces together, mm-hmm. you know, that and, and like I want to continue that because uh, I to really, truly help people. I think that you got to understand the multiple things Like you could be great at one thing, but, you know, you got it. You got to know these other things. And, and ask yourself one thing as a coach in 10 years, what's going to differentiate you from somebody going on their iPhone Downloading a free program mm-hmm. that has videos, that has tutorials, in, in 10 that years has in vir- that's all in this virtual shit. reality, yeah. right? I mean, it, in virtual, it, yeah, because it's going to happen. What differentiates I mean, you, though? That because I, I think, and, and you guys, you know, plug in on this. Like, I think that for great coaches, the the future will always be bright. Yes. Like, because exactly. I, I can't see a time exactly. where, as a human there, being, there was a study um, about the jobs that have the greatest risk of going away because of automatization and personal training was one of the least likely profession to go away it was about like 98% safe or something like that uh, so I think there will always be a room for the professional trainer oh, yeah. you know what I'm, so I'm, I'm going to that I was uh, where were we at oh we were uh, in for Adam Bornstein's event out in Colorado and we were out at dinner and uh, was hanging out with the John Berardi talking about kind of like the future yeah. of what's going on and uh and one guy like w- w- like went like this to me and kind of like he was a tech guy and he was like oh you guys are in trouble you know like because we were talking about watches uh you know Apple going in the direction of behavior change like zapping you if you mm-hmm. do something like you know pattern interrupting that's opening a ro- uh, like a really weird door i mean a really some- weird door something really bad could happen with this <laughs> I, w- yes i i agree with you 100% but but what I you know when that guy said like you guys are in trouble I, I said I, I don't think so you know if you go if you go here's the thing right now if you go to an average person on the street and you say like what's stopping you from you know changing right so like uh, fat loss losing weight whatever they're gonna go like oh you know I ate too much car like they're gonna say something in that realm where nobody's gonna go like well it's behavior change right yeah. and so when you have these because why they're, why is Nike and Apple and these guys moving into this realm because they see that's the next thing right mm-hmm. behavior change habit change how can we influence it right and so when billions get put into that what happens is they, they'll go wide you know millions of people buy the watch and programs and stuff like that and the thing is just like with anything else like what they thought that Fitbit was, would do you know and, it, and it's not really that successful right it's just feedback. Right. And so when things go wider, more people get to know about it. 
And so these companies are going to go wide. But when that person doesn't get a result, what do they do? They want to go deep. So they want to go to a coach and say, hey, look, right. I need somebody that can help me with this. And that's why I think act, that coaching will actually grow because more awareness will happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it will only grow for the people that are doing yeah. the right things and are doing what you guys are talking yeah. about and teaching. Whereas the person that's still like rah, rah, I play music really loud and everything is great. Uh I'm not saying that's a bad thing because, like, look, I, if somebody go, does Zumba and becomes active where they weren't before, I'm a huge fan of it, uh, and I don't want to say anything against it. But true coaching, I think the people that win are the people that, you know, really become competent at the things that we're talking about long term, and it can help individuals, individual scenarios because because right. it's because it's because it's like always evolving. There is no here's the blueprint. Take this guy from here to there without assistance, without another person, with a watch zapping you. I, I, I don't see that happening in, you know, in, 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 a, in a long time, right? If you want to solidify a career in the fitness industry, not for two years, not for burning out after five, but for two, three decades, become the best real-time problem solver mm-hmm. you can possibly be. Exactly. If you can do that and you can solve people's problems in the real time, your value is going to be exponential to people. Yep. Yeah, because uh, training programs are a dime a dozen. It doesn't take a genius to do that, but somebody who can assess a problem and fix it as fast as possible, that's worth its weight in gold. Yeah. And that's why you said like you you, you don't care about writing the best programs no. because you're right. you're solving problems exactly. at that point in time. That's it. that's it. And if every training session that person leaves feeling better, feeling fulfilled, Feeling like you feeling solved feeling their like problems. They, feeling like they accomplished something. Like, yeah, yeah, like they won. Like you make yeah. them win that training session, mm-hmm. they're going to keep coming back. You know, I'm all for like a, a systematic approach, like having long-term goals. Yes. But, but, and people think in terms of short-term goals. And when they think in, in terms of short-term goals, they think in terms of six weeks, four weeks. To me, a short-term goal is one session. How can you make that one session optimal? That's why you have to have uh, the prep work prior to the session. That's why you have to write order of exercise, the right ramping, because you want to make that session. Always, the way I see it, I always say for every rep, uh, pretend that every single rep you're doing is the only thing you're allowed to do today to get results. How would you do that one rep if that's all you could do to get results? Now, go add that to that. You have that one exercise. It's the only thing you can do today. That one session, it's the only training session I'll ever do in my life. How can I make it so that it gives me the best results? Mm-hmm. So if you change that mindset, now I, I, I made a post on on, uh, on Twitter saying that uh, every rep you do in the gym, pretend that you have an audience watching and you're teaching perfect technique. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that let you ego the That's door. a great point. I, I always uh, uh, back back when you know some some coaches would say group training programs are not you know it's like they, they suck. You can't help people. It's because the coaches don't take time to actually coach. To actually coach, <laughs> yeah. and and I always said that I. And whenever, you know, when I was training coming up, I was like, man, all the people that I really, really respect, if they walk in through the door right now, mm-hmm. how am I coaching? And I coached every session like that, you know, and uh, and we got to a point where there's a lot of, I would say, really well-known coaches came in and saw 40, 50 people and said, holy yeah. shit, like you actually can have people doing really great work yeah. if you do have orientations and coaching mm-hmm. and regressions and progressions and really take care and, and do exactly what you said. Because like what you guys, the, the video that you did, right, on a military press, like if you coach people like that, right, because I'm still a student, right, I, I'm, I'm there going like, oh, shit. <laughs> just, oh, 
I thought I was under, <laughs> right? And it's like, I'm like, we're not even pressing. <laughs> Fucking Dow. The hell's going, you know, but, but that, but the thing is, if you coach people like that, holy shit, you know, if, if anybody goes anywhere else, they'll go like, man, that's not how they teach it there. Yeah, right. I'm, I want to go back to and, that And coach. coaching, really, the, the, what I was saying earlier uh, to Julie is, coaching, in my opinion, it's about, and John would be totally in agreement, I think, is when you coach, you must make someone feel the right thing. Mm -hmm. Don't only use verbal cues. Verbal cues only work for the short term. It will make them capable of doing the exercise for that session, but the actual um, maintenance of proper learning is not very good. So, so if you want retention of that learning, that person must experience. Yes. So that's why we, re we use regression, not just because they're not capable of doing the main movement, but it's because it's easier to get the feeling yeah. of the movement pattern by doing a simpler exercise. Right. So we use drills so that they can learn, okay, this is how the dead, the hip hinge should feel. So now you can transfer that movement to the full range exercise. Use the Romanian deadlift, okay, this is how a hip hinge should feel. When you do a deadlift, you try to copy the feeling. Instead of thinking in terms of technical cues, think in terms of copying the feeling. Man, it's, 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 it's awesome because I looked up there, this is one of our values, you know, one of our values, like people forget what you do, what you say. I, I, I honestly didn't read that. No, I, no but that's, but that's, <laughs> that's why, exactly. that's why I was like, I was like, hold on. <laughs> that's awesome, man. But it, it, it's true because when people have, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of like really veering off here, but, but I was just, uh, reading about a, a bunch of stuff in, uh, tools of Titans and this other book called stealing fire about, you know, hacking your brain now and, and like why, uh, uh, plant medicines are so, you know, so becoming so popular I, from the ayahuasca's to microdosing LSD and stuff like that, because it, and why it's being able to change depression and PTSD and, and anxiety and stuff, because there's such an incredible experience, right? You're, you're on a higher level, like the, what you're experiencing is so deeply now ingrained in the amygdala that whatever you do afterwards you can br you can break patterns of mm -hmm. addictions of uh, and learn stuff right so and and now I've seen a lot of things now where there's like magnetic resonance I think towards the the brain like and you can learn faster I, I saw some CrossFit people learning I don't know if you saw this but it's like headphones that allow you to like learn patterns faster. I don't know if it's a bunch of bullshit, but... Uh, well, the, the thing that we can't, like, uh, fault CrossFit people, but they are willing to try everything. Yes. yes. Yeah. So they will be at the forefront of innovation. Uh, that, I mean, that's absolutely true, but it comes back to this, right? Because yeah. it's like, if I have, uh, uh, you know, it's the same thing, like, you, you remember where when you were at 9-11 or where your kid was born or whatever, because it was so emotional, you had so much feeling there, but it's like, how can we... On another, you know, without people giving people LSD in your training session. <laughs> I actually know a, a guy from Poland that went to one of my seminar. He's a, he's a he's a coach, and he has some some of his fighters do that. Yeah, I mean, here's and I'm I'm not so I'm the Co cocaine thing, in LSD. I'm not I'm not completely <laughs> knocking it because uh, uh, like as far as like the LSD goes and MDMA and stuff like that, and obviously it's like I'm not here going like everybody go you go get high and then go train, <laughs> but you know there's there's obviously research behind it and how it's not you know if you do it right you really microdose it how it can have benefits and stuff, but it, it it's more about the the process behind it right like if we can make somebody you know that's why we have the PR bell. Yep. Right. And you saw like the other day, it's like they ring it and like everybody. Oh, goes, yeah. yeah. And that person gets this deep feeling and it anchors them. Mm -hmm. Right. It anchors them to the community, to this place. It's safe. Like, you know, you're winning right. here. And the more of that that you can do in your training, the better people earn. 
Because mm-hmm. now they're like, oh man, I, I did, you know, I was coached like this and like this and like this. And then I, I won and I rang the bell. And they, that, that gets more ingrained than somebody just like, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 right? I can't believe hey. we haven't said it yet, but my big takeaway from our seminar was that we need to enhance the motor control experiences mm-hmm. of our clients. Every rep, every corrective, yeah. every strategy that you put in, it's a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If it's you break it down like that, you know, it's going to revolutionize the way that you look at training. Yeah. No, awesome. you're, you're not doing reps, you're doing movements. Yeah. My problem is because we could probably keep going for an hour <laughs> and a half in, but we're going to, these guys are going to miss the, air, the, the flight. Damn. Uh, man, so much information, so much awesome stuff. Uh, before we go, uh, definitely. Both of you, now, where can we find out more? For for anybody that's listening that's, that that doesn't know these guys, I hope so that you, that, that you do. But if you don't, where can they find out more about you guys? What you know, you, both of you are putting out amazing content. Follow these guys seriously. If you're serious about, if you're a coach, absolutely. If you're somebody that's looking to improve their training uh, and get more results and, and 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 understand things better, please follow these guys. Uh, but where can they find out more about you guys? Chris's best content, in my opinion, is over on his tibarmy.com site, really diving deep into many of the, the coaching methods and the training methodologies that we talked about today. Highly recommend that. So that's T-H-I-B Army, A-R-M-Y. And we're both also uh, writing 14 Nation. So yeah. we have a lot of stuff. I over, over 300 each there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you, I mean, if you could probably yeah. spend about the next couple of months reading articles well, from T-Nation if, that if, these guys if, put out. If you went back to the archive, like from 1995, you could probably, if you read like 10 articles per day, you're probably going to have like for a year and a half for the full <laughs> day material. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and that, that's really where I, where I find out about you first and then started yeah, buying yeah. all the books and all yeah. that stuff. And like, so, yeah, I mean, uh, and then uh, your site is? D-R-J-O-H-N-R-U-S-A-N.com. And I'll, so I'll put all the links. I'll put all the live links in, uh, in the blog, in the notes section. Uh, I'll put the link to their next uh, seminar, which is in Austin. Uh, like I said, this is the last one in the U.S. You, you, if, if you're in the U.S., like you got to get out to there. Please, please, please don't say come to my city. If you're serious about coaching. <laughs> Man, when, 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 when I go in Europe or, or Australia, I have people traveling from like three countries further. Yeah. But in North America, people don't want to travel unless you're in their actual backyard. I mean, I, like I have no problem uh, uh, kind of like doing a little, uh, I would say, coaching punch in the face right now. Because, uh, you know, at this current seminar, there's probably only a couple of people from Seattle uh, so there's thousands of coaches in Seattle. There's only a couple of people from Seattle. And like I said, there's two guys that flew in from, from Slovenia, a bunch of people that flew, flew in from out of state all over the place. And, uh, you know, to, to me, this is kind of like the thing that we talk about, competence and becoming a great coach. Uh, you know, in the last 10 years, I've been to over 177 uh, <laughs> seminars. You know, and like I'm kind of crazy. So, so since last December, I've done 33 either speaking or attending or wow. doing here. But it's because... You can't ever stop. And man, if I, you know, I look back in the day in Slovenia, like, oh, I had to buy products all the time because you couldn't, nobody came out there, you know, you, you, and it's like to have this locally, man, please, like if I can say something to go out, you know, go to the seminar, learn and connect. Because the thing is, the, the one thing that you can't get from even if it was a video of it is connecting to these coaches and having these conversations. And, you know, these guys are not only like they're top notch, but you can talk to them. They'll show you stuff they're t- because they love coaching. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, well, when my time is up here, like they love coaching and you can see it. They're passionate about it. And there's a lot to learn from that uh, and to extract it. So, you know, I can't I mean, like I said, you know, get all the products there are, you know, uh, uh, read all their stuff. 
and definitely go out to the seminar because this was amazing. And, and I would also say if you're a gym owner, bring your team. Like bring your team because, you know, that I've, I've for, for me, that's some of the, the best parts about it is like br- being able to bring my team to all these great things because then we learn together and we can say, hey, what are we going to do with this knowledge? And we'll apply it like right away the next week. So thank you guys, man. Can't thank you enough. This one, this one was absolute fire. I appreciate um, it, man. I will hopefully see you both soon. Appreciate yeah. you. We'll be out with the next one.